2: That first hour flew by, and we've got big plans for the next three hours. Although I already screwed up, as I was doing basketball, and I promised you that we would get to the winners of the Christmas Mason M and M jar. And actually, I don't even know where the jar is. Jay, where's the jar?
3: The jar is safe.
2: No, that's not an answer. Where's the jar?
3: The jar is stored. It is safe. It is in my basement.
2: It's in your basement.
3: That's where I did the counting. That's where it all happened. Okay, well,
2: the jar needs to come back to me because technically it's my jar and my M&Ms.
3: True. The M&Ms are safe too. But I was a little under the weather Uh, when I I was counting
2: I didn't ask you about that. What I asked you is where's the jar? And now I'm saying the jar needs to come back to me. It's technically my property. So that was not your Christmas gift. Unless, of course, you would like to, because Jay's and I were not uh, together for like two weeks, uh, we haven't done Christmas gifts yet. Unless you would like that to be your Christmas gift.
3: It's it's a nice jar, but I think I'll take the original Christmas. Oh, so you is. want
2: what? What's behind door number two? Is yeah. what you're saying? Okay, well then, when you bring back my Christmas mason jar of M and M's. I will be happy to exchange it for your other Christmas gift.
3: We'll do the exchange then.
2: Uh, Yes, sure. But I don't trust you because things get lost in your house somehow and they never come back like the after hours swag. When we run out of swag, I just want you to know it's Jay's fault because he will not return the swag that he stole. Like I just
3: have all the (laughs) shirts in my room. (laughs)
2: you're not supposed to tell people uh, you're supposed to tell people what they are it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio so I promise again I promise I broke the last promise I I promise this hour we'll get to the number of M&M's and the two listeners who hit it dead on and then several others who are within one Uh, that's a lot of postage the company does not reimburse me for postage so I don't really know where I'm going to come up I I might have to have a couple more paychecks before I can pay for your postage Uh, you can Find me on Twitter, ALaw radio. Also on our show Twitter, After Hours CBS. And then our Facebook page, too, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Now, I fully intended to talk college football and the national semifinals going back to Sunday night. Then it was all NFL. And then the show has really taken a different turn the last couple nights. But I'm prepared now to talk college football. So if you need your memory jogged, <laughs> nearly 22 million people tuned in for what was nearly 180 points in these two games. TCU and Michigan set the tone. Though ultimately, it was a defensive stop that wrapped this one up for the Horn Frogs.
1: Fourth down and ten. What does Jim Harbaugh draw? Three receivers to the right.
4: Snap comes back. It hit the ground. It's loose on the ground. The Frogs bail on it. Now Michigan's picked it up. they toss it back right. Edwards flips it forward. Down it goes here to 34. This game is over.
5: I think we did a really good job
1: coming off of the Kansas State loss of, of looking in the mirror and saying, hey, look, what can we do better? You know, and, and that's what I love about this group. No one ever blames anybody else. There's no, you know, no one points fingers. There's not, no one tries to the offense doesn't blame the defense or
5: the defense doesn't blame the offense or there's none of that on this football team
2: it was some kind of a crazy back and forth wild and yet ultimately it was the Horn frogs stopping the wolverines on fourth down as you hear on the tcu radio network from learfield and then head coach sonny dykes obviously second straight loss for jim harbaugh and the michigan wolverines in the playoff
1: congratulations to tcu i thought they uh they played a great game. A um, you know, very, uh, very opportunistic team. Very resilient team. Uh, you know, really great team. And uh, played a great football game, no doubt. Um, there's a there's a winner. There's a non-winner. Uh, but it was winner was football was football.
2: A winner and a non-winner. I like that from Jim Harbaugh, and we'll talk about him momentarily. That was the first game. It was nuts. Uh, The second one provided just as much chaos, and it was the defending champion, Georgia, on the ropes against Ohio State.
3: Everyone on their feet here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Nobody's sitting in this one. From the 10, snap it back to Bennett. He looks in the end zone, throws it for the back corner. Caught! Caught! Touchdown! Touchdown! Touchdown A.D. Mitchell! Back left corner! Touchdown! The Dogs have tied it! Snap. Hold. Kick. In the air. Good! Georgia 42. Ohio State 41. To put Ohio State in front. Snap. Hold. Kick.
4: (laughs) No!
1: Good! No! Good! He missed it!
4: Left!
1: Our guys are extremely resilient. We talked halftime about some games we've been in this year. We've been behind in, including the Missouri game. And um, I had no
2: doubt that our team would come out fighting. Um, Did not play our best football game. A lot of that had to do with Ohio State.
1: Um, I have a lot of respect for them. I have a lot of respect for these players that are on this podium with me and the ones in the locker room. And if we want any chance of winning a national championship, we have to play a lot better football than we played tonight
2: Kirby smart going back to Saturday has his defending champs into the college football title tilt number one Georgia against the upstart number three TCU at SoFi Stadium on Monday it's a 430 local time start in LA 730 in Georgia and actually it'll be 630 in Texas so where TCU is located All right, we're pleased to welcome Dennis Dodd from the desert, from Arizona, covers college football for CBS Sports. And Dennis, we'll get to that national championship matchup. But first, I want to ask you about Jim Harbaugh. Following this loss in the playoff, he does an interview on Wednesday in which he indicates that while he doesn't know his future, he anticipates being at Michigan next year. So what do you know about Harbaugh's next steps?
5: I know as much as Jim Harbaugh knows, <laughs> I, I I think that's not much. He could change from minute to minute. We see it every year. You can set your watch by it and it's get, it's getting kind of um old, frankly. And I'm sure the people and the administrators at Michigan are sick of it too that it's Jim Harbaugh. He kind of does what he wants when he wants to do it. You know, the latest statement was I think I'm going to be the Michigan coach. Well, thanks for that definitive statement, Jim. Um You know, he he apparently talked to the owner of the Panthers last February on signing day. He interviewed with the Vikings, was never going to get that job, Mm -hmm. somehow held uh, the recruiting class together, which, by the way, uh, for a team that had just been to the playoff, was not very good. Um, And I suspect if he keeps doing this, it's going to hurt this year's recruiting class. So uh, it's it's just getting worn and old and and tedious. Uh, You know, what do you do if you're... The athletic director, Ward Manuel, at Michigan, Do you put your foot down? You can't. The guy's the most successful coach they've had there since Bo Schembechler. So um, you just have to ride it out, I guess.
2: In your opinion, is he that valuable to Michigan in that they should just kind of go with the flow and hope that he returns?
5: Yeah, he is. Um, I mean, where are you going to turn if he doesn't come back? He's a proven commodity. He's been to two straight playoffs, won the Big Ten twice. Um, we're at the point now where, well, maybe they're putting too much energy in trying to beat Ohio State. If that's the <laughs> biggest criticism of Jim Harbaugh, bring it on, um, You know, in, in terms of not advancing in the playoffs. But, no, he's he's very valuable. He, he's a really good coach. He's been a really good coach in the NFL. Um, he's been a really good coach at Stanford and now at Michigan. So he's gotten past the, uh, the bugaboo of beating Ohio State. To the point that Ryan Day's job wasn't coming into question with some people there mm. at forty-five and five when they lost the game in, uh, in late November.
2: The Panthers just fired a coach that came out of college, but obviously yeah. Matt Rule didn't have the NFL track record that Harbaugh does with the Niners, going to what was it, three consecutive NFC Championship games
5: in four years, I believe. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that's what I mean. He's he is a proven commodity in the NFL is a proven coaching commodity and there are owners and teams all over the place that would love to have them in there. He's, he's, he's quirky, but if that's the worst thing you can say about him, then, you know, that's fine. Uh, the guy can win, uh, the guy can coach, he can recruit, he can assemble play, he can assemble rosters. So yeah, I mean, um, you know, why not, um, in this age of NIL, which, which, frankly, Michigan hasn't had to deal with yet. Michigan hasn't gone really big into the portal and still won big. Uh, it says something about him, too, on that as well. We're so excited
2: to have Dennis Dodd back on the show. This huge week for college football for a lot of reasons, but covers it on the national scale for CBS Sports. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. So the numbers coming out with the national semifinals in terms of viewership, huge, 21.7 million viewers, the most ever on what was a non-New Year's Day. When you think about it, defense not the order of the day, <laughs> though they were certainly very entertaining. What still sticks with you about what we we saw in those two games on New Year's Eve, Dennis?
5: Well, highest scoring semis ever, 179 total points. The closest pair of games ever uh, decided by a total of seven points. And so if you're a person or a TV executive, you got to love that. Mm. Um, that's what, you know, the, except for TCU, three, well, brand names. Um, and then I think the, fa- the prospect of TCU winning drew people to the game Maybe even after it started. So, no, I, I think it's good. Look, the, the previous eight years of semis, 16 games, have been decided by an average of more than 21 points. I, that's probably not a surprise to anybody. They have not been compelling by and large. Uh, 16 of the 24 total playoff games have been decided by double digits. So this thing had gotten a little long in the tooth, a little... <laughs> I don't want to say boring, but, you know, same old teams, blowouts. The TCU thing is amazing because I have written this and I've said it. I I think they're the one true uh, Cinderella of college football in its history because, first of all, the sport has never embraced Cinderellas in in the sense that they have made the NCAA tournament in basketball. Um, It's been a very closed shop. It's been a very exclusive shop. And you really have, for a comp on this, you really have to go back 38 years to when BYU beat Michigan for the national championship. And it was number one, really, by process of elimination. It was the only undefeated team left. You had to, you had to vote for BYU. But even back then, BYU was considered a major power. Um, I don't have to tell you what LaBelle Edwards did. The WAC was considered a major conference, believe it or not. So it wasn't even TCU. TCU has spent decades doing this. This is their fifth conference since 1994. They've only been in the, uh, in the Big 12 since, I want to say, 2012, maybe 11. Um, so it, it hasn't even been that long. And it's TCU. It's a little private school in the outskirts of the Metroplex in Fort Worth, 9,000 enrollment. Um, They've put resources into this, but they're the first. Uh, they're the first school at least in the CFP era to go from unranked to to go this far um, you know so I guess no surprise there uh, they're only the third school to go from a losing record to the CFP strangely enough Michigan was one of those last year and then uh, who was it the first year um, it was Auburn mm. in, uh, uh, in 13 so uh, it, it is strange it quite the the upset of Michigan was one of the more significant ones again I would say in college football history because of the stakes. Um, Michigan was surprised by the athleticism, particularly of TCU's defensive front and their defense as a whole. Um, and I think in a six point game that went down to the wire, I think that was a factor.
2: Well, and a pair of interception returns for touchdowns uh, yep. were huge as well. So, yes, it was back and forth the entire time. Uh, and then in the other game, you have the defending champion, Georgia, uh, with that late touchdown drive. What saved the Dogs in this game against Ohio State? How did they pull it out?
5: Well, Stetson Bennett, they got hot late. Um, and it begs the question, if Georgia didn't have Stetson Bennett, where would they be at quarterback? <laughs> wow. I mean, we're talking about a six-year former walk on who transferred to juco College came back and Amy what is this uh, about a year and a half ago in the spring of 2021 Stetson Bennett did not take a snap that's how far he was down uh the depth chart and obviously he won it last year um is is 100 yards in change from throwing for 4000 yards and his story just keeps getting better and better it's be it's beyond a movie. It's a it's a Netflix series. It's a doc, <laughs> um, and he uh, he might still be playing by the time they get around to doing it again. He's <laughs> a 6 year player who has just done great things. He people underestimate him all the time, and at their peril. So you combine that with uh, a pretty good defense, uh, a really great defense. But here's the reason TCU had a chance. They've already played this game once with Michigan. Michigan was a prohibitive favorite. Seven and a half. Georgia's 12 and a half, which I think is outlandish. I think it's way too big. Georgia Bay win, but TCU's offense is going to hold them in this game. Um, but they've already, in this game, they've played this, and they know they can do it because they've won this game in their minds. Georgia's given up a thousand yards combined in the last two games. I can't remember saying those words ever Whoa. in the last 15 years. But yeah. um, so I, th- I think they had a puncher's chance, maybe more than that. When you think about
2: the game against Ohio State, uh, they're scoreless in the third quarter, if I remember correctly, and so they kind of went through these droughts. Uh, there were stretches where they didn't execute the way that you would kind of expect from a team that's competing for a national championship. Could TCU kind of pounce on those mistakes?
5: Well, I, I think Georgia was fortunate in many ways to win that game. Um, you know, Kirby Smart called the timeout when uh, when Ohio State was going to hit that. Uh, fake punt, which they were going to succeed on. Um, and a lot of people thought that he shouldn't have even gotten the timeout if he called it so late. Um, there was a, a non-targeting call on Marvin Harrison in the back of the end zone. Right. Um, I just told you they gained 500 yards against against Georgia. Um, C.J. Stroud was great until he wasn't late. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out a little bit how they won that game. So. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was the mistakes. I I just think Ohio State had a great plan. Um, Is TCU going to get two pick-sixes against Georgia? Probably not, but you know, they do have they do have the means, again, with that defense to make Stetson Bennett look a little ordinary. So we'll see. Mm. Dennis
2: Dodd of CBS Sports with us here after hours on CBS Sports Radio, thinking ahead to when the playoff expands. And it's not, of course, going to be the same old, same old, because they're going to have to fill out a much larger bracket.
5: Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, you just you used this year, Tulane would have been in as a 12 seed. Uh, Utah would have gotten the first round by as a conference champion. Um, and I've got a piece uh, tomorrow skipping all the way ahead to 16 because the structure is already there. Whoa. Um, well, they modeled it first. When they announced this formally in June of 2021, they had already modeled everything from 6 to 16. And there was a lot of support for 16, but they thought, well, let's take this let 's take this intermediary step, but I think eventually it 's going to go to sixteen because there 's too much there if it's, if it 's about access, then why not on I mean, that first weekend in December in those first round games you 're playing uh, four games, eight teams that 's two days of two games each you 're only talking about then everybody playing that's eight game, uh, you know sixteen teams, eight games so your only problem is where to put that on the calendar so it doesn 't conflict with the NFL. so mm. I think they'll be there, and I think it'll be even more fun. I think these two semifinal games have people kind of looking at that going, man, this could be really, really cool if Tulane you know, was playing for it instead of a, instead of a, a New Year's Six Bowl, if Utah had a first-round bye and then hosted a game in a bowl or something like that. So I think it'd be really, really fun. This
2: is certainly going to be a topic even more so moving forward in college football, but I'm hearing rumblings about expanding the NCAA tournament. People keep asking me, do you think it's a good idea? So, I don't know, Dennis, do you think it's a good idea to expand on the basketball side?
5: Well, first of all, it's not going to happen. That was the headline from the results of the Transformation Committee recommendations yesterday. It's not going to happen. In fact, Matt Norlander, our basketball writer, has a very comprehensive story today. Nobody who matters wants it. Um, there's no <laughs> compelling need to go from 68 to 90. The quality of teams at that point would be bad agree, uh, at that end. And the rights holders don't want it. I mean, there's no room on the calendar for, for the rights holders, you know, CBS Turner, what have you. They don't want to do that. They don't want to pay more for it. Um. Again, because of that quality, they're worried about paying for it. You know, right now, every deserving team that deserves to get in gets in. You know, except for Dick Vitale picking somebody out and whining every March about what an injustice is. And nobody else cares. The sixty-eight are in. That should be in. Um, it's not going to happen, nor should it happen
2: it's perfect. It does not need tweaking. This is literally one of those examples of if it's not broke, don't fix it. It is such a perfect event.
5: What the transformation committee was doing was those whole set of recommendations was about uh, enhancing the student athlete experience is 25% increase in uh, the postseason opportunities for teams. Okay, that's every team or every sport, excuse me, colluding basketball. Basketball doesn't need it. Just gymnastics might need it. Um, basketball might need it. And if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it for men and women. I mean, that's something mm. that um, that I didn't mention in the basketball side. And that's something that you have to consider. If you're going to go to 90 in men, you're going to have to go to 90 in women. And there are the same problems with that, as I mentioned, with the men. That, that you know, There's just no there there. Um, So you really have to think long and hard about this. You know, this is more about, I don't know, volleyball, giving more opportunities to the players than that, beach volleyball or something like that, gymnastics than really basketball.
2: Uh, Thinking ahead to the NFL draft, I know that's not the concern at this point, but there's been some debate about uh, Stetson Bennett, whether he decides to play college football for another six years or so. (laughs) But how do you think he fits at the next level?
5: I'm not a draft person. Um, I'm not a draft Nick, but all I've heard is that, um, you know, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, something like that. But that's way ahead of where he was when, you know, he started or even a year ago, as I mentioned, um, you know, a capable backup. I mean, let's not go crazy here. You you watch him play. He's not CJ Stroud. He's not Bryce Young, Mm. not, Pat, you know, Patrick Mahomes. But is he going to get onto a roster? Yeah, I think he is, and that'll be fine. So I, I think the analysis stops right there with him. There's not too much to think about.
2: When you think about the college football season as a whole, what's one story that will remain a favorite for you, even before we know the national championship, Dennis?
5: Oh, gosh. Um, I think TCU. I just think it, it came out of nowhere that they got this far. They're 6-0. and They're going to lose. They go to Texas. No, they they win a grinder. A team that is all offense wins a grinder. Wins with defense. Help Texas out of the end zone offensively. <laughs> and then here they are. They are the one true Cinderella. I think that's that's what will dominate um, for a lot of people this season. The uh, You know, that and the fact that the expansion thing that bled into the season, and it was so tedious. We're going to start in two years with 12 teams, and that's fine. The prospect held everybody hostage for over a year, and it was it was unfortunate, but it's it's been a really really good season. I'll I'll leave you with a little nugget. If you think the game is has uh, is really gone crazy offensively right now at this moment, uh, it's the lowest scoring season in twelve years. That's shocking. Now, it's, you know we'll wait for the final game, but overall, you know over whatever it is, twenty four hundred games, lowest scoring season in twelve years. Whatever that means, I don't know. That's your little stat for the night.
2: Nice. I like that. In fact, uh, not that different from where the NFL is. Its trends are down in terms of scoring and passing attacks and much more about running the ball and stopping the run, which is kind of old-fashioned these days in football. It's funny that you say TCUs. I think it kind of transcends the sport. Uh, My mom does live in Texas, but she's in Houston. And the question that she asked me on the phone last weekend, so can TCU beat Michigan and I thought to myself, Mom, how do you even know which two teams are playing in this national semifinal? Because really? she's not big into college football. But, yes, it definitely is a, a fun Cinderella story. So you can find Dennis on Twitter at dennis_cbs, and he'll be there for the national championship at SoFi on Monday. It's great to catch up with you, Dennis. Happy New Year. Thank you so much.
5: Amy, glad to do it. Thank you.
2: All of a sudden, my mom has become the subject of multiple different conversations here on the show between her knowledge of Robbie Gould and his redemption and Brock Purdy with the Niners over the weekend and also her asking me if TCU could could beat Michigan, could win this game. And look at this. Horned frogs and dogs in the national championship on Monday. So we have quite the weekend of football. We've got Saturday doubleheader in the NFL. Sunday, not quite a full slate, but pretty darn close. And then we've got Monday football, not... What we normally get because Thursday night football and Monday night football are done for now. We do get Monday playoffs wild card weekend. So that supersize wild card weekend now features Monday, which is a little bit odd. But you know, I tell you, the NFL has urban sprawl. All right, I promise. After this break, the winners of the after hours swag, courtesy of our Christmas Mason M M&M and M contest, better late than never.
0: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.
0: You are
3: listening to the After Hours Podcast. Here on After Hours, we like you as much as you like us.
5: Hey, how you doing?
1: I'm good. First, I just want to thank you
0: for and all your
5: colleagues for keeping me
3: keep me busy while I work all
1: night. <laughs> you're welcome.
3: Hey, Amy, how's it going tonight? Great. Good. I just uh, started listening to you about a month ago. I'm a new night pharmacist. Hey, Amy, I I really
1: enjoy the enthusiasm you bring to the early morning hours. It's so nice to, to listen to someone this enthusiastic this early in the morning.
5: How you doing, Amy? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for putting on a good show every night. I listen to it at work. Awesome. It really helps me get through the night. I appreciate that you're tuning in.
2: Thank you.
3: This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
2: Hearing a little bit of Lionel Richie reminds me of some of the sketchy and creepy suggestions for the name of the show back 10 years ago when we left it up to the listeners to determine the name or at least to submit their name suggestions and boy were there some... Off-color, very inappropriate names uh, that were that were submitted. I still remember who it was that ended up naming the show or the name that we suggested, but that person um, will remain nameless. No, I don't know his his name was Mike. I, mean, I guess <laughs> that's that really narrows it down, doesn't it? It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Now here we are, ten years later, and we've come full circle because Marco Belletti is back now. He only shows up now and then, but he's back working on the show Hmm. the way that it was going all the way back to the weekends, 2013. We together did Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights. Uh, No, not Sundays. We just did Friday and Saturday nights. Friday and Saturday,
4: yeah. You did Sunday night. I wasn't here most of the time.
2: Yeah, okay. So we did Friday, Saturday, this same Time slot, which right. was 11 p. Pacific to a Eastern, mm-hmm. but it was Friday and Saturday instead. And then um, I ended up moving to the five night a week gig. You, I don't know, I lost track of you. No, I didn't really. But you were doing mornings, <laughs> you were doing afternoons, you were doing the local station, you were doing news. You were back here every now and then. But also, we had the updates removed from our show for the longest time. Peter Schwartz had the first couple years of us doing after hours in this time slot. And then he was taken away too. And we went from four to then three of us to then two of us. Uh, And now you're back. Woo! It's been a strange 10 years, huh? It definitely has. (laughs) Would you, would you have bet on 10 years when the network started? Be honest.
4: Uh, on the network being here. Yes. Yes. I probably would have. Now, I was optimistic going in. So I was, yeah, I was gung-ho when we started this thing 10 years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I really did think it was going to still be around. Did I think that uh, you and I were still going to be doing the exact same time slot necessarily uh, 10 years I'm from I'm in now? a different time slot.
2: Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, fair. Uh,
4: so am I, actually. Yeah, so,
2: yeah, it, I,
4: that I don't know. I, I didn't know where everything was going to go, but right. I thought the network was going to be fine.
2: This is year number nine for me on weeknights after hours or Sunday through Thursday nights, Friday through uh, Monday through Friday mornings. And it's, Still never a dull moment. I mean, it changes every single week, every single month, every single year. Uh, I do not know what will happen at the end of this contract. I sometimes waffle back and forth on how much longer I can do overnights. You actually have the benefit of being able to to bounce all around, which sometimes makes you more tired, actually. But you don't stay on the overnights.
4: Uh, Well, I mean, that's my shift. Five days a week, Monday through Friday. When are you
2: ever here five nights a week?
4: Come on. Most of the time. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, su- I
2: never see you five nights a week.
4: Now, in fairness, I've only been full-time now since the summer. The summer was a uh, was a mess, which they knew that going in. So when I got hired, it was kind of like, look, it's going to be the Monday through Friday. However, over the summer, not right now. you're going to be bouncing around. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's what I've been doing for 10 years. So sure, no problem. Uh, and then when the holidays come up again, it's still, uh, uh, what would be the best way to describe it? I'm still kind of duct taped chaos uh I'm I think that would be the best way to explain it like I'm duct tape I I, I'm the guy like it's not that it gets put together well but duct tape usually keeps things together for a short period of time right that's what I am
2: now see I called myself the utility infielder for years because I would move all around whatever they need me to play I would play which is
4: where I was at part-time that's I think it was it was like hey we can give you 350 at bats you're not gonna get 500 but we plug the holes and you're decent uh, now I think it's being full time. I think when I get shifted around, it's more of we need to fill something and fix it for a short period of time. We need you to move. You're the glue guy. Yeah, I don't know. Glue, duct tape is a little. Glue is a little <laughs> bit more binding. I'm more of you know, just kind of. <laughs> you're binding. It together.
2: You're here. Well, so for me, I was full time, so they had to give me all of the shows, and yet it was all over the place. Right. So yeah, a little bit nuts, but. Here we are, 10 years later. We have survived. Uh, do you remember your first shift, your first update?
4: The first update, no. I know the first shift was the evening shift on January the 3rd mm-hmm. of 2013. So we launched that on the 2nd. Uh, yeah. I wore, whatever day that was, Wednesday? I some was Somewhere during the week, I want to say that. The next night was my first night.
2: Wait, why the 2nd? I thought we launched on the 1st
4: but it was midnight i want to say on the second i we didn't launch on new oh, year's Eastern day time. right okay. yeah so we launched like going into the next day mm-hmm. uh i want i want to say i worked you know the day after it wasn't the first day i worked the day after mm-hmm. that i, I know it
2: was middle of the week cuz yeah. i didn't start until 3 days after the network had launched my first show was that friday night
4: i feel like Uh, you were, your day off was like Wednesday, Thursday, which is why you didn't start there. I feel Mm -hmm. like I was in for you on Thursday. I think that's, (laughs) I think that's how it worked out. You were, that was your days off and I was in for you.
2: Well, my first three nights though were shows. Right. Right. So I did shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then, depending on how the week looked, I would do updates sometimes on Monday and Tuesday, or right. I would not. I would host for Pharrell, or I'd host for Gottlieb, right. or I'd host for whoever. Which is why else I think we launched
4: out. on a Wednesday, because those was yeah. your days off Wednesday, right. Thursday. Wednesday,
2: Thursday were my typical days and off. And I yes. was
4: here on Thursday in your spot. So gotcha. I think that's where it, where it started All for me.
2: Right. Uh, So we finally have the results of the Christmas Mason Jar M&M contest. And initially, we were going to award three pieces of after-hour swag. Jay tells me that two listeners actually hit the number head-on. And those two listeners are whom? And how many M&Ms were there in the Christmas Mason Jar, Jay?
3: Are you ready? (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) 272 M&M's was the total. Okay. And who hit it directly? We had two people nail the exact total. It was Anthony Lewis and Jeff Foster. Jeff
2: and Anthony, congratulations on guessing 272 M&M's. Have you reached out to Jeff and Anthony?
3: I have not yet because we just calculated this finish. But if they are listening, expect they they are. Did both- we
2: did we just calculate this? Because I feel like this was something we were going to do long before Christmas.
3: Well, well we break. went over what happens. <laughs> and, like, things life gets in the way. Oh but, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, they are both. Um, if you want
2: something done well, you got to do it yourself. <laughs> they
3: we're both Facebook uh, people, so look for a message or what's that called, a Facebook Messenger.
2: A reply. Yeah. I don't don't activate our messenger on our page.
3: Well, I use my personal.
2: Oh, okay. Yes. Use your personal all you want to message people, but don't use our page (laughs) because why have them turned off for a reason? Uh, I'm sure we have millions of Facebook messages, but I will never look at them. Uh, okay, so we've got Anthony, we've got Jeff, who guessed 272 M&Ms, and then Jay tells me we had three people who were within one M&M.
3: Yes, so we had th- no one guessed 271. We had three people guess 273. It was wow. John, Donald, and Sparky.
4: Huh. How close did I get? Do you remember? Did you dog? write this down?
3: Yeah, you were at 242, I think oh, you said. So you were pretty close. Not bad. not
2: bad at all. That's not bad. That's not bad. So, congratulations to our five winners. I'm going to have to save up my pennies until I have enough money for postage. Uh, But once Jay, well, you're going to have to respond. If Jay doesn't, if you don't hear from Jay, then something's wrong. Are they all men?
3: Uh, Yeah, actually. Wow. Okay.
2: So we have five male listeners who ended up within one M&M. We could just send you the M&Ms if you like, but I know you're expecting after hours swag. What are the chances that those five men wear the after hours swag?
3: I would hope a hundred.
2: Do you wear your after hours swag? Almost nightly. Do you know that you are not a good liar? Have I ever told you that? I'm,
3: I'm not lying here. <laughs> oh Very God. accurate. Nothing, you nothing falls so about what I said. Oh,
2: lying. Okay. So yes, happy ten years to Marco Belletti, and uh, congratulations to those of you Eminem guessers who were really close. And now I feel like we finally uh, can put that to bed and send
1: you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month.
0: New iPhone 15s? It's better
1: over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on
4: us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling accounts continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com after the end of a good fight you deserve an ice cold reward is the mark of a fighter
3: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
1: Third and four for the Colts, 48. Falls in a shotgun, three receivers right. McLeod comes on a corner
4: blitz. Falls is back, sacked by Thibodeau at the 39-yard line.
3: This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. It
2: was a critical moment for the New York Giants in their game against the Colts, which turned out to be a clincher for them. They lock up the playoff spot for the first time since 2016. What you do not hear in that play-by-play from Bob Papa on Giants Radio is that Kayvon Thibodeau then remained down on the field and proceeded to do, I don't know, 12, 15, 20 snow angels next to a Nick Foles who was writhing in pain. Uh, That was the play that knocked Nick Foles out of the game. And so there was this kind of stark image and video of Thibodeau celebrating and having a grand old time, uh, enjoying his moment next to a Nick Foles who like literally, was unable to lie still because of the pain that he was in. Now, he eventually got up and walked off. He has uh, had a rib injury, has a rib injury, needed the cart to get into the locker room. And there was a lot of talk about the actions of Kayvon and whether or not it was tasteless or whether or not it was taunting or showing up an opponent. Uh, Certainly, It's been a debate. Now it kind of got tabled uh, behind this conversation about DeMar Hamlin and the NFL moving forward. Um, The war of words, so to speak, has not ended, though. So going back to Monday, Jeff Saturday, former offensive lineman, uh, he was quick to jump to his quarterback's defense, but also tell Kayvon Thibodeau and the world what he thought of those snow angels.
3: Tasteless uh, from the from the celebration afterwards, just you know, trash. Not a fan of it at all. Um, and uh, yeah, disappointed uh, from 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 the O line perspective, or and for teammates in general. We protect our own, man. We, I mean, y'all know me, man. I've, I've been here a long time, so I'm I'm just gonna tread lightly. I, obviously, I didn't like it at all, and that's where I'll leave it. So after
2: hearing what Jeff Saturday had to say, the next opportunity that the media had to connect with Kayvon, they're asking him about this pushback from Jeff Saturday. Now initially, he's responding to the criticism. Uh, Before he takes aim at Saturday, he's just responding in general to people who are coming down on him for the celebration next to a quarterback who's
4: clearly hurt. Who's the gatekeeper of when to do something? So once we figure out who the gatekeeper is, then we can write the rules and then we can establish, you know, the narratives and things like that. But until, you know, you guys actually are in the sport and do it and be in that moment, you can't create a narrative on it, you know?
0: Well, we're not creating a narrative on it. The guy, the other team's coach had a problem and He's the guy who played the game. The That's other team's saying. players I don't, I don't had know a who problem is. with
4: it. No, I just don't know who, like anybody who commented on it, unless I know who they are, doesn't really affect
1: me.
2: Oh, okay. So if someone inside the NFL makes a comment, but you don't happen to know who they are personally, I think that's more about you than it is about Jeff Saturday. Anyway, uh, he he kind of uses that as a shot. I think that's a fairly common way to insult people is who. I don't know who he is. They're, I don't know. Producer Jay, do you believe him? Because I don't actually believe that he doesn't know who the coach is of the other team.
3: No, he knows who Jeff Saturday is.
2: The rookie linebacker who then goes on to say that, and he repeated this Wednesday, but he had said it going back to Sunday, he didn't realize Nick Foles was injured while he was doing the Snow Angels or later when he was doing the whole Steph Curry celebration where you put your opponents to sleep with kind of a knockout blow. And that, to me, was the one that stood out. Now, I didn't love the Snow Angels. I thought it was a a relatively odd dichotomy to see the two next to each other. And I I was worried about Nick Foles because it almost looked like he couldn't control his, his bodily functions that he was a little bit like a, a Tua. Now his was a head injury, but remember when his, his hands were clenched and he couldn't open up his hands and he had lost in that moment muscle control. It seemed that way with Nick Foles because his hands are right above his chest and he's, he's kind of tweaking in pain and writhing in pain, and there's Kayvon Thibodeau, who's doing snow angels next to him. So I didn't love that part, but then when I saw him do the Steph Curry night-night celebration, that to me almost seemed even more tasteless. So maybe he doesn't realize that Nick Foles is lying next to him on the ground okay. But by the time you get up and you recognize that there's medical uh, people, medical personnel attending to Nick Foles, that he has to be helped off the field and there's a cart that's coming to get him and you're doing the put him to sleep, that to me felt a little bit more trashy and tasteless. I don't love to use the word trash. I, I hate when Sports fans call athletes trash or teams trash. I think that's something I delete off of my Facebook page or I block on Twitter because we as human beings should never call other human beings trash. That's that's gross and disgusting and rude. So in this particular case, I don't love the use of the word by Jeff Saturday, but I do think tasteless is appropriate. I do think him celebrating while a competitor is hurt becomes even more in focus this week. Could you imagine, for the sake of argument, if someone from the Bengals had been celebrating that first down and all excited about it, meanwhile, DeMar Hamlin is falling backward and is seriously hurt. So, yeah, sometimes better to know what's happening around you. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio.